2 Corinthians chapter 13 encourages us to examine and test ourselves to see if we're in the faith. 1 John says that it was written in order that those of us who claim Christ can know our faith is real. Well, there are some specific tests we can spot in the book of 1 John for the reality of our faith. Let's talk about it today on Beyond the Notes. I want to start out expressing gratitude. It is not typical of, of, of our teaching team or and me specifically as part of that to, to kind of completely grab work that I haven't originated and make it the spine of what I'm presenting. Uh, in preparation for this week of teaching, I was, I was working in the book of 1 John on a summation of sort of the, the test. Knowing that 1 John is written so that you may know you have eternal life, it follows that there are certain specific sort of tests outlined in the text of 1 John. And I was working on a summation of it. And it was coming out to be book length. Only among all the people that I know, only I am so cursed with verbosity that I can summarize something with more words than it originally needed. I'm a terrible summarizer. So I got a little frustrated and I went looking for someone who had done a good summary. And I stumbled upon the work of Paul uh, Totkes, who is a pastor up in the Midwest. Um, his Web page, and I know that uh, plugging another web page from our podcast is not something we would necessarily typically do. But his web page is counselingoneanother.com, and this research, or this resource, is from his web page. And I'm grateful to him. He and I have swapped some emails, and I thankfully have his permission to make use of of his stuff. And it's not mostly his stuff, honestly. It's mostly the Book of First John. He's just done a real good job deriving. 10 tests. Now, I'm not going to go through them all in detail, or this is going to be the longest episode in the history of Beyond the Notes. And well, neither you nor I are all that interested in setting a length record, but I do want to touch upon these, these 10. They're right out of the text of 1 John. Um, and here we go, the, the test of conscience. And the question is, is my conscience sensitive to sin? 1 John 5, 1 through 10 deals with the issue of, am, am I aware of my faithful fellowship with God in such a way that I come under conviction when I sin. The human conscience can function without God, the Holy Spirit. The most lost person in the world who runs around hitting children in the head with a baseball bat, unless he's an utter psychopath, knows that what he's doing is evil. But the human conscience is not reliable. And only, only in the believer has the conscious begun to be more aligned so that the conscious becomes a, a tool in the hands of God, the Holy Spirit, to speak to my heart when I've done things wrong. Is that going on in your life? Are you growing in your sensitivity to sin? Second, the test of obedience. 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. Um, well, I say it like this. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That's just verse three. I'll stop there. We can know that we know God if obedience to God's word is for us our mode of operation. Doesn't mean we're sinlessly perfect, but that the lines and guidelines of our lives are defined scripturally. And when we are confronted by God's word about something in our own behavioral pattern, 
We come under conviction and we respond in obedience. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So there's a test of obedience. Is your life characteristically marked by obedience to God's word? Third, the test of worldliness. Where do my affections lie? What do I love? 1 John 2, 15 16, 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. Here it is. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know what? Uh, I love, well, I love a comfortable chair. If there's a game on that I care about, I love a nice-sized television screen. But I'm not disobeying this verse. I know the difference between the props and the accessories and the silliness. And all of it can go for the glory of God. And I do not feel at home in this world utterly. I'm quite aware that all the gear and all the equipment and even all of the uh, affections of this world are secondary to my love for Jesus. Uh, is that true of you? The test of anticipation. Do I long to see Jesus? First um, John 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we shall be has not yet appeared, but we know that when we, he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Um, when you think about the coming of Jesus, the, the news events of the present day as, as, as we lay down this podcast have got people in a bit of an uproar again about the, the end of time. And it, it's remarkable to me how many Christians speak of the end times with an undercurrent of, of dread and trepidation. Um, as though seeing Jesus face to face is something mostly to be considered fearful. That's, that's not a very solid point of view. And if your response to seeing Jesus face to face is primarily fear, then there's, there's some growth to happen there. And in keeping with the rest of these tests, if the composite that's emerging is, wow, that's not me, and that's not me, and that's not me, and that's not me, there could be a problem. The test of holiness, number five, am I moving more toward holiness and away from sin? The verses that he cites are chapter three, verses four through 10, and they're valuable. The question, and I'm going to, I'm going to watch my pacing, the question is, do I see the, the cleansing effect of God the Spirit working in me for sanctification. Not passively. It's not a lazy river that I'm drifting down in an inner tube. But I'm not having to swim against the current either as I strive to be more like Jesus. Am I very, very involved in following Christ toward an increasing commitment to personal holiness? Number six, the test of love. Do I love other believers? Chapter 3, verses 11 through 18, uh, says it like this. This is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 
We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And I can, I can stop there. There's the test. If you have in your heart no great desire to be in a love relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, something is badly off. Um, the test of prayer. Does God answer my prayers? Uh, I would refine a little bit um, from Brother Paul. Is my prayer life real and vital? And do I have confidence before God, as he speaks of in verse 21? Am I spending time in prayer? Or does prayer feel like an imaginary exercise in basically talking to myself, if I do it at all? If your prayer life is always utterly sterile, perhaps it is your relationship with God that is to be in question. Number eight, the test of the Holy Spirit. Do I experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? Um, as theological categories go, uh, if you know these terms, and if you don't, don't be bothered, but if you do know the term, I would have no problem describing myself as a cessationist, which means that I, I believe that some of the more spectacular manifestational gifts of the Spirit were no longer needed once God's Word was complete, and God's Word is predominantly the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But the question, if asked a different way, could be, <coughs> is there evidence of the supernatural movement of God in your life? Not necessarily the overtly miraculous. I'm not talking about do you frequently go to the hospital and heal everyone there. But are there components and movements, actions, attitudes, reflections, impacts in your life that cannot be explained apart from the movement of God the Spirit in, around, and through your life? The test of the Holy Spirit. Number nine, the test of persecution. Have I suffered because of my testimony for Christ? This world's at war with God, has been since the Garden of Eden. And if you're able to just plain get along with everything that's going on in the lost world around you, I'm not suggesting you have to be arbitrarily disagreeable. You don't have to go out and look for conflict. If you're faithful to Christ, conflict will find its way to you. And if that just absolutely never happens then I'm certain you're a nice person. And if you're a guy, you're a good old boy. A girl, you're a good old girl, to use Southern terminology. But that won't do. We do stand in opposition. Salt and light have a, an impact because of contrast, right? Salt matters more in settings where it wasn't salty before. That's our world. Light matters more in settings where it's dark. And when you're first exposed to salt, like if you've ever... I don't know, had a cut and jumped in the ocean. That salt stings a bit. It creates a, a conflict. A shine light in a room where it's been dark and people wince and squint. Light has impact. Are you having that impact? And if so, is it resulting in pushback from the world? And finally, the test of confessing Christ. Is it, is it a part of my life? that those who know me know that I love Jesus, both, both in my verbal expression 
and in my manner of life. No one's ever going to know I know Jesus because I behave myself. All sorts of people in our world appear to behave themselves just fine and don't know Jesus. My verbal testimony is necessary. My actual confession of my real faith in Christ. What my conduct then does is either underscore that or undercut it. Do you have an aligned confession? Well, you know what? That, that set of 10, that could be a year-long study. You could give, well, 10 months. You could give a month each to those four and, and really flesh them out. But 1 John is designed to be a mirror you can look into. Notice none of these are saying, and if you do a deep dive into the verses that are, that are cited here, they're not commandments of what you ought to do. They are generally statements of who you are. They are diagnostic, not corrective. And they're there so you may know that you are in the transforming process of one who knows God through Jesus Christ. Well, I hope that's helpful. And I hope that by now you're, you're liking, sharing, subscribing to this and the other podcasts on the McGregor Podcast channel. We appreciate being here with you and we look forward to being with you next time on Beyond the Notes.